It's true. We are the church. No matter where we gather, no matter what we face, if you've been made new in Christ, we're part of His body. We are the church. And I'm so excited that you've joined this church today. I pray that you'll be blessed as we gather together. Did you hear about the lady who went to a church for the very first time? She entered into the sanctuary and she was quickly greeted by an usher and he warmly invited her in and asked her, where would you like to sit? She says, I know exactly where I want to sit. I want to sit all the way down the very first row. He says, oh no, ma'am, you do not want to do that. Our preacher is so boring, you're going to fall asleep and then everyone will see you right up front sleeping. Let me seat you somewhere different. She was appalled. She was shocked. She says, do you know who I am? And the gentleman says, no, I don't. She says, I'm the preacher's mother. The gentleman kind of bowed his head in humiliation for a moment and then looked up at her again and says, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she says, no, I don't. And he said, thank God. I do thank God that you're here with us today. While we're not meeting in the sanctuary and no one's on the front row inside the church, I believe you have a front row seat to worship God, to hear from his word, and that's exciting. I do dream of a day again when the front row at church is filled with many of you who are seeking God's word. But here's the deal. Today, if someone falls asleep in your gathering, don't wake them up right away. Take a picture of them. I've made a hashtag. Hashtag. And you can post that picture there, and it will really encourage them to stay awake next time, I'm sure. Today is not going to be boring. We are moving forward together. No matter where we meet, no matter what it looks like, FCC is moving forward, united as Christ as our King. Last week, we launched our new vision that came at the perfect time from God. That, that no matter what we face, no matter what we're being tested with, we have hope for the future through the resurrection of Jesus because hope changes everything. We are compelled by the hope of Christ. We believe our hope in Jesus that comes through the resurrection has the power to change anything, changing burdens to blessings, changing more and more people from being dead in their sin to alive in Him. In the Old Testament, Joseph was hurt time and time again by people he should have been able to trust. His life was extremely difficult. And in those moments, he, he declared God's blessings. At one point, he even declared to the evil around him what was intended to harm him, God intended for good. So here's the deal in that thinking, and I want you to believe this. The suffering that you may be facing, the hurt you have right now, God is not done with you yet. What was meant to hurt you, what was thought to be a problem that you would be overcome by, God is turning into something good for His glory that He will use to, to proclaim His name even more so that more and more people would be saved. That's the type of hope we have in Christ, a hope that changes everything. Our hope is more than just wishful thinking. It's having a confidence that, that leads us to action. It, it brings us from a dark spot to a bright moment for God's glory. With our hope in Him, I want you to know we're called to action, not to just sit back on our hands, but to do what's most important. So today, I want to ask that question. As we start our mission together, what's most important? For many right now, it may seem like protecting your health or your family may be most important. For others, it's about reopening the economy. And still for others of you, it's still about finding a place that can provide you toilet paper. While those things all have value, there is a mission that we're called that has a much greater value than all those things combined. As followers of Christ, there's something we can do and should do that's above all of that. No matter if it's on a Sunday morning during a pandemic, 
or a Tuesday afternoon when life seems like a picnic, or a Friday night when fear is creeping in. There's something that is most important. So what is the most important thing for us to do? Jesus was asked that a number of times in his life. What's most important? How do I enter the kingdom of heaven? What should we do? He was usually asked by scribes and teachers. Time and time again, people said, what is most important? Is it this or that? Tell us, Jesus. Jesus was trusted. They, they wanted his knowledge and his wisdom. Remember the setting of this. The Jewish people during this time had developed 613 different laws to live by that flowed out of the Ten Commandments. Most of them were impossible to keep for an entire life, let alone on any given day. 613 laws. 248 of them were positive. Hey, this is what to do. This is how to honor God. But 365 of them, one for every day of her, of her year, were negative commands. This is what not to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. And their lives were filled and almost paralyzed with these things that God had not necessarily intended for them to be so focused on. And they were very burdened to fulfill these laws. So they were asking Jesus, if we could just do one, what is the most important thing? And Jesus answers that question in Mark chapter 12. Look in your, look in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. and We're, we're going to see this here, uh, starting with verse 29. It says this, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus said those words thousands of years ago, but it's true for us today. Our primary mission in life is to love God. It's the first part of our new mission at FCC that we would love God as a people and as a church. Moses first shared that uh, in Deuteronomy 6. Here's what he said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the call to the nation of Israel. It's a call to the church, but I want you to see it's your call. It's your mission. Jesus said this, we've said it again. Look, look at what, back to the text in Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. No matter who you are, that is your mission in life, to love God. But how? How much? He, look back to the text. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. No matter what part of you were to give all, not just a leftover, Jesus calling us to, to completely invest in Him. I did a little Hebrew word study on this word that we translate as all. Sometimes we just need to dive into the original language a little bit. These words can often be complex. But if you're ready to understand this, I believe you can get this today. The Hebrew word here that's translated in this text literally means all. How much does God want of you? All. It's complete, it's, it's uh, in totality, uh, means nothing held back. Anything less than all that you give to Him is not enough for God. It's less than He deserves. God is asking for you to love Him with all that you are. What are these parts that He highlights? First, the heart. The heart means the core of you. It's where your affection, it's kind of where the love overflows. He wants all of it. He, he wants your soul. This is where your desires and emotions are. The Greek word here literally is where we get our word psyche. It's our emotions. It's our thoughts. Uh, it, it's our feelings. And then he wants our mind. He wants our intellect. He wants our, our study. He wants our, our ability to think. He wants your strength. That's your body. It's your physical energy. He wants it all. 
Most people will say they love God, but sadly, often we can't see a fruit of that. We can't see any evidence. So Jesus makes it clear of what it should look like. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Loving God is more about living for him than how we feel about him. Look back to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to see evidence of, of what we will live like as we love him. In chapter 6, verse 6, it says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Moses is saying it's a heart issue. And that makes sense. Loving is a heart issue. It's always been a heart issue. He is saying what, what you're trusting in is where your heart is. So are you trusting him with all your heart? Ask yourself that right now. Especially in the time of crisis like we're in, the COVID crisis. What are you trusting in? A lot of times we'll be fulfilled. Our heart is longing to, to have these things that we know will provide some security. Maybe food, maybe job, maybe bank account, a stimulus package. You name it, we can have these lists of things our hearts long for and we trust in. If you had all those things without a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to still have any peace. If we love Him, we're going to be trusting Him with our heart. Think about it this way. If you arrived in heaven today, and you were blessed with everything you could ever dream of. I mean, there was no more sickness, no more pain. You had all the things of this world and more. You had everything you had ever desired to have and more than you could ever imagine to enjoy. Would your heart be fulfilled? You're like, man, that's amazing to think about. Yes. But let me say this. What, what if the heaven was without Jesus? Would your heart still be fulfilled? Would it be longing to be with Him? See, there's a big human part of us that struggle with this question. If we're honest with ourselves, many of us have dreamed about heaven, including myself, and we thought about all the things we'd want to be there, all the things of this world we liked, and we dream of it to the next level, uh, beauty and, and uh, time with friends and family. I've even spent time thinking about riding dirt bikes and, and racing sports cars. And, and man, I get excited about that. And that may be of no part of heaven at all. And then I realize I haven't thought about Jesus for a while considering that. Would your heart be fulfilled or would you long to be with Him if you had everything you wanted but you weren't able to be with Him? God declares here in the Word that the most important thing our heart can trust in and long for is Jesus. Let me ask you today, is your heart longing to be with Jesus because you love Him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. What a great passage to enter into your heart and your mind during this COVID crisis that we commit to trust God above all. And He's going he's to pull us through this no matter what. Trusting in Him declares we love Him. But you can also declare you love Him by transferring this truth, His truth, to the next generation. The, the Word of God says this in Deuteronomy 6-7, Impress them on your children. When you love something, when you trust something, you're naturally going to want to share. It's, it's like an inheritance. It's something transferred down. It's impressed on them. How do you transfer a love for God to the next generation, those you live with? You have to live it. You can't just download it. Today, we'd like to say, well, if you have this password and this code, you, you can just have this new information. No, this information has to be impressed. It has to be imputed. They have to see it, and then, and then it has to be modeled for them, and then they have to claim it as their own. Notice Moses here saying the first people that we need to share our love for Christ with, our love for God with, is their own family. You can sell that you love to God to someone else and fool them, but the people you live with, your family, they're going to know if you love Him or not. If people on the outside of your home think you love God, but the people on the inside of your home 
think you don't love God, then there's a problem. Ask yourself right now, do the people in your inner circle think you love God? Do they believe you love God? Do they, do they know you love God? Are you influencing their life for the sake of God? When you love people with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, the people closest to you are going to know it and they're going to be impacted by it. It makes an impression on them. Are you making an impression on those people that you live with? Your children, your grandchildren, the people you love? I want to thank my mom and dad right now for making an impression on me. For, for letting me clearly see their love for God. My mom and dad were not perfect. A lot of people say, man, you, you had almost the perfect parents. I want you to know that they're, they're as human as anyone. But there's one thing I always knew. I never doubted. They loved God. And they loved each other. And, and there was a great peace in that. There was a great strength in that. And it impressed in my heart. There were times, though, I was like, mom and dad, in my mind, why are you doing this? It was because they love God and put him first. I saw it in the way they worshiped. Their commitment to be with the church family and worship, the, the way they worshiped uh, with their own lives. I saw it in their commitment to pray. I saw it in their commitment to obedience. I saw it in their commitment to be willing to teach and to share others. I, I was never in doubt, and it impressed in my life, in my heart, in a tremendous way. This is, this is something that, that was imputed in me, that transferred to me. Now, I had to accept it, but I thank them for impressing it in my life. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Man, I love you for that. I pray that my children see a similar type of love. My children see that I'm a very much a, a human man, uh, that I make mistakes. But I pray that, that when is all, is all said and done, that they know I love God and I love their mom and I love them. And I will have fulfilled my greatest mission. Are you doing that right now? One of the ways to pass this on of love is to, to transfer it. But it's also specifically to talk about Him relationally. When we love God, we're going to talk about Him. We're going to share what we know about Him, how He's changed your life. We're going to be real and have real conversations about what He's done for us. It doesn't mean you have to go into preacher mode. It doesn't mean you have to recite a bunch of biblical text to show your theological knowledge. No, just tell people what you know in real conversations and it will draw them to Jesus. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 it says this, Talk about them when you sit at home. I think the real connection is here. There will be in your everyday life, in real moments, just talking about God and what He's done for you. It should be a part of who we are on a regular basis, ready to share the hope we have. 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us this about sharing this hope. Peter says, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone as they ask you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. I think the gentleness and respect here are a big part of this. When you begin to share about God and how He's changed your life and the hope you have in Christ, be very aware of where this person is coming from. Try to meet them or something that interests them. And, and you don't candy coat the truth. You, you don't back away from the gospel that Jesus died for our sins so that we could live. But you put it in language that, that they understand and you listen for their questions. Be very clear with the good news of Jesus and let them know that Jesus died for them. But be very careful not to be judgmental or disrespectful in some way. When a person uh, loves God, they're going to have an ability to share that love with others. But how often should we do it? It's a great question. And I believe the scripture points to this, that we should take every moment captive for Him. The Bible says this in chapter 6, verse 7 of Deuteronomy. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down... 
and when you get up. Here, here's what he's saying. It's not just in those times. He's encompassing the whole day. It's during all of these times we are going to make the most of, of talking about him. We're going to take every moment captive. I know some of you have lost track of what day it is. On any given day, it could be Wednesday, and you're not sure. You think it's Thursday. I know it's true for some of you, because some of you have come into the office and you said, oh, I was supposed to be here Wednesday, and it was Friday or whatever. We all make that mistake, but here's what the Word of God says. It lets us off the hook, because here's our challenge for every, every day from Hebrews 3. It says, encourage one another daily. It doesn't say any specific day, as long as it's called today. So if you wake up and you don't know what day it is, and you realize it's today, Encourage someone. Share God with someone. I wonder who you've done that to lately. Who are you going to be able to share the love of God with today? And you'll begin to fulfill your mission. When you know there's hope in Christ and you begin to love God and tell others, you're going to be on mission for Him. I know this is true for some of you. You do this. But others of you have never done that before. I want to give you that challenge. But it comes out of this type of commitment that we're totally committing to Him. Look back to the text one more time to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to see that people love God that are going to be willing to do things that show extreme commitment. There, there's going to be a point where our heart is so committed that it's going to be obvious where our love lies. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 8, it tells us to be this committed, this, have this type of commitment to God's instruction and His commands. It says this, Tie them as symbols around your heads and buy them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Uh, what, what they would tie to their foreheads were these phylactery boxes, and they would have God's commandments in them and God's Scripture, and it would show an extreme commitment to that. They would tie it around their wrist. They would put it all over their home. We do not have to do those specific things anymore, but here's the principle I want us to live out, that it would be extremely obvious of our commitment to Him by the way we live, by what we wear, by, by how we do things, that we belong to Him and our love is for Him. Our love of God should produce an environment in our lives that, that screams, I am all in, I'm committed. I, wanna, I want everyone to, to let it be known that I love Him. It's real in all of my life. And I know for some of you that still seems impossible. How can you be that committed to, to God when, when we live in this world and, and it's hard to follow Christ when other people are, are wanting things from you? Jesus knew this. Time and time again, when he would be teaching, there would be large crowds following, and, and they would get excited about this or that, and then he would come to an extreme challenge of commitment, and then they would fade away. This one time, he used an extreme hyperbole about our love for God. He says that our love for God should be so high and so uh, obvious that in comparison, our love for our dearest family members would even seem like we hate them. Now, Jesus did not want us hating our family members. In fact, he didn't want us to hate anyone. But in comparison to our love for God, it should be a distant second. There should be no comparison. That's what he's saying. Your love for God should be so obvious that it reigns supreme over all. That's how important God wants us to value His love. As He says, I want you to be extremely committed. I'm not always there. It's not always obvious I love God above all. I, I want you to know, though, I'm working on it. Please hear this. I, I love you. I love my friends. I love my family. I love my mom and dad. I miss you guys. I love my kids. I love my wife, Tiffany, more than I can say and express with my words today. But I want you to know this. I love God more. But here's the amazing truth. Don't feel bad for my children or my wife because here's the deal. God gives me an ability to love them more when I love them less than Him. 
My love for them actually grows whenever I put him first because it helps me to put them even in a higher place of love and adoration in my own life. I know as a man I would have failed Tiffany time and time again, but my love for God has held me accountable to her in a way that I am thankful for. My love for them grows as I love God the most and put him first. That is our mission. In 1 John chapter 4 it says this, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. We know and believe this. We love Him because He first loved us. God first loved you before you even thought of Him. He, he loved you the moment Jesus was sent to the cross. He, he loved you at a moment when He turned away from Jesus because of your sins were poured on Him. God loved you first. And in that word, to love Him, that is our first and most uh, high priority that we have in our mission is to love God. Have you accepted His love? Have you accepted that fact that God loved you enough to have His Son die for you? And if you haven't, it will be hard to ever really love Him back. But first, accept His love. Claim it today. I'm going to ask you to, to make a statement online, uh, maybe post it on social media. Uh, use this hashtag, I've chosen to love God. Let me ask you this. Have you chosen to love God above all? If you agree with that, if you've done this for the first time or you want to recommit to that, make that statement today. Post it somewhere. Declare it to a friend. I choose today to love God above all. And we will begin to fulfill our mission as a church and as people like never before. Love God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you that we have the opportunity to love you, that you loved us first, that you gave your son so that we could be with you forever, that he, he has taken away our sins and that we can, can live with you because we are forgiven. Lord, help us to, to love you, to do these things we see in Deuteronomy, that our love for you would be obvious, that we would transfer it, that we would, that we would trust you with all of our heart. Lord, today, if someone is beginning to trust you, I pray that it would grow and draw them to you so that they may be saved. Lord, we love you. I love you. In Jesus' name.